Hallelujah. There's always a turning around. There's always a repentance before a great awakening. Everybody say, turn around. around. Say, turn around. around. That's what repentance means. There's a turning of about face. There's a turning of about face. See, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not all of a sudden going to move and change and say, well, I chose to move on this generation here and now, but I didn't want to move 50 years ago. No, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can you say that? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what I found out about God is He's willing to pour His Spirit out. In fact, He really already poured it out. But as long as there's a group of people, even one person, that's willing to receive His glory, it's right there. It will manifest as we receive it. This is another area that the church has kind of accepted men's doctrines. We're waiting on God. God, send revival. Send revival. No, God's waiting on us to receive what He already sent. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, First of all, I just want to say thank you to... I keep forgetting it's not that it's not important. It's by the time I get up here, I feel the anointing so strong sometimes that it just slips my mind. But thank you for all of the cards and appreciation gifts during Pastor Appreciation Month. Thank you for all the cards, Christmas cards. Man, I saw some beautiful cards this year. And all of your kind, very, very kind comments. Wow, you guys are amazing. There's several of them that just made me cry. I mean, I just, I'd open it up (laughs) because it just touched my heart so much. And um, thank you for all your gifts of love. Um, Even if you didn't give everything or if, if you didn't give something, you know, in a form of a gift card or money, you gave yourself. And that means more to me than anything else. Um, we're going we're gonna to read, I'm going to read something and then we're going to pass and review, review real quick. And then we're going to enter into the next step tonight. Everybody say, seeing clearly. Seeing. Say, seeing clearly. seeing clearly. There's a difference of seeing clearly and seeing nothing or seeing blurry vision. There are some that see clearly off in a distance, but they cannot see close up. Some see only what's in front of them, and they can't see what's up ahead. Some see but refuse to believe. (laughs) I'll read that again. That was good. Some see but refuse to believe. Some see but are afraid to take the next step. God, I've never been here before. Yes. (laughs) I've never been here before, God. I don't know if I can do this. Yes, you can do this because I'm standing right here. Some see, but they're afraid of taking the next step. Some see, only see what they've decided is truth. Some only see what they've decided is truth. Some can see ahead, but their fear of change keeps them tied to the past. 
and what has been. So therefore, instead of continuing to see, they become blind. Well, Holy Spirit, that's good. I'm going to read that again. Come, some can see ahead, but their fear of change keeps them tied to the past and what has been. So therefore, instead of continuing to see, they become blind. If your eye is full of darkness, how great is the darkness in your whole body? If your eye is full of darkness, how great is the darkness in your whole body? Really, the whole understanding of seeing clearly is really seeing through eyes of faith. It's not looking through eyes of natural. It's seeing beyond what the natural says. It's seeing beyond what history has declared. It's seeing beyond what men's of doctrine have said. It's seeing beyond what doubt and belief says. It's seen beyond all the confusion and all the fear. It's seen beyond all of your troubles, all of your circumstances. It's seeing him clearly in the midst of everything that you're walking through. Seeing who he is, who we are, and then what is our destiny. But not just seeing, but seeing clearly. So pass and review real quick, and I'm just going to call these verses out. I'm not going to go to them. I don't want to spend a lot of time here tonight. John 1, 14, in the beginning, he was the only begotten, but the Bible says he was the first among many brethren. What that means is before the change of covenant, Jesus, the firstborn, was the only true son in the earth. Everyone else were still sons of Adam. When you get this, and it becomes the light that you walk by, it will completely set you free of who you were and set you free to who you're called to be. <laughs> if you've been born again, you're now a son of God or a daughter of God. But after he paid the price through his precious blood, he made sonship available once again to any man or woman who would receive it. Then they become the sons of God. John 1, 16 through 18, he was first a son, then the Savior of the world. He was a son in the bosom of the Father. He was a son in the bosom of the Father, the only begotten, but now we've been begotten. And now the Bible says the same place that he was, he went away and prepared that place for us that where he was, now we're there too, in the bosom of the Father, full of grace and truth. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus was first a son, then the Savior of the world. Jesus was tempted and tried by the devil before he ever started doing miracles and healings. The Bible says he was baptized by John and literally the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Then the Father spoke out of heaven and declared, This is my Son 
in whom I am well pleased. He didn't say, this is the Savior of the world. He didn't say, this is the one who, re who will redeem you. He didn't say, this is the one who's going to accomplish what Adam would not accomplish. He said, this is my son. Whew. Hallelujah. That means I am first a son and then my destiny comes. It, I, my destiny doesn't come, and then I understand I'm a son. You can start your destiny, but the resistance will come, and it's not going to try your destiny. It's going to try your sonship. And if you don't know who you are, you have the capacity to be stopped. So he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The moment we get declared that we're a son, the next thing is the enemy will immediately, just like the parable of the sower, he'll come and he'll try to steal that word. Here Jesus is bringing sonship back into the earth, and here the devil is trying to steal the sonship back away. Jesus, like he, uh, he, he's trying to steal it away from Jesus like he did Adam. When the enemy screams, Prove you're a son. That's what he told Jesus. Prove yet that you're the son of God. Prove. And see, Jesus knew he'd have to prove anything to the devil. All he told the devil was, it is written. I already know who I am. Do you, you know, I think he, without words, he's saying to the devil, do you know who you are? Because I know who I am. And you can stand here and talk to me all day, Satan, but I know who I am and because I know who I am, and I also know what I'm here for, and I also know that I have my Father in heaven and all, all of heaven backing me, you're a defeated foe. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! I like that. <laughs> Everybody say, you're a defeated foe. That's the same thing he said to Adam in the garden. Prove that you're like God. You're not like God. And if you eat of this tree that he told you not to eat of, you'll be like God. He was lying to him. He was already like God. He was trying his sonship. Just like he tried Jesus' sonship when he took him to the pinnacle on the temple and said, jump off and prove. In other words, go ahead and try to commit suicide and prove that you're the son of God. Oh no, it's written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I know who I am, devil. Do you know who you are? You're a defeated foe. That's what some of us need to tell the devil tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't have anything to prove to the devil. The only thing you have to do is believe what Jesus has said about us is truth. Your sonship has nothing to do with what the devil or anyone else says or does not say. I'm going to read that again. It's really important. The only thing you have to do is believe that what Jesus has said about you is truth. That you're a son and it has nothing to do with the devil or what anybody says or does not say. In fact, I don't know if you remember me teaching one time 
when they were on the boat and the main thing that Jesus wanted to do is cross over. He said, let us cross over to the other side. In other words, Jesus said, let us go from here to there because that's the next point in our destiny. Are you hearing me tonight? See, the devil's trying to stop you from being a son so you can prove what is your destiny. And so when they were on the boats and when they were, uh, when they were on the boats and they, they, uh, the, 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 the storm came, all of a sudden he's screaming through the circumstances, through the storm, through the rain, through the wind, the devil's screaming, well, I thought God brought the rain and the wind. God will not bring destruction. Let me ask you a question. If you had the ability to put cancer on your children, your biological children, because you wanted to teach them something, would you do that? Why in the world do you think God would ever do that? God doesn't have any cancer to give. And I'll say it the way Brother Norville says it. Blessed be the name of God Almighty. Hallelujah. God doesn't have despair to give. There is no despair in heaven. The only thing that God has to give is joy, righteousness, and peace in the Holy Ghost. You're going to walk through stuff. I'm going to walk through stuff. But the only thing that Jesus wants us to do is get the wisdom out of that whole situation so that we don't have to keep going around the same mountain over and over and over again. He wants us to become mature and complete in him. That's why I said, Michael, when it's all around you, when you look to the left, when you look to the right, when it's in front of you, when it's behind you, when despair and trials are all around you, count it all joy. Woo! Count it. One, two, five hundred. 600, because I'm going to tell you right now, as long as there's a devil on the loose, you're going to be walking through a trial. You better learn how to count it all joy. And when he said, let us cross over to the other side, they're on the deck screaming and squalling and bawling, and he's in the stern of the ship asleep. He got up and he calmed the storm. He said, peace be still. When I was reading it not too long ago, he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. See, I don't, do you know that the Holy Spirit's the interpreter of Jesus? Do you know that I can't believe men's doctrines? I can listen to men teach, but I can't just take something that someone says and just believe it. What if they're wrong? Well, my pastor's never been wrong. I've had pastors that were wrong. I had my own dad teach stuff and tell me later I was wrong. Men can be wrong. Doctrines can be wrong. Well, that's, that's almost unholy. No, it isn't. You're supposed to try everything that everyone says with the word of God. God did not send me to be your ultimate teacher. He sent Holy Spirit to be the revealer of Jesus who lives on the inside of your belly. Can you say amen? So when he said, let us go over to the other side, Jesus is asleep in the stern of their ship. And all of a sudden, he gets up, 
He says, peace be still. And the wind and the storm, because see, he had control over what the devil was doing. And the wind and the rain and the peace. But see, the difference between Jesus and the disciples is that Jesus was in the storm, but the storm wasn't in Jesus. The disciples were in the storm, but the storm was in them. Some of us need to crawl down into the stern of our ship and go to sleep with Jesus and quit worrying about the storm. Because your peace has nothing to do with your storm. Hallelujah. That was free tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> Seeing Jesus clearly will cause you to see yourself clearly. Seeing Jesus clearly doesn't come just from knowing what the Bible says. <laughs> I know y'all listening. Sure is quiet in here. <laughs> Seeing Jesus clearly doesn't come just from knowing what the Bible says. Prove it. Well, thank you very much. I think I will. <laughs> How many know the Bible says... He himself bore our sickness and carried our pain. And with his stripes, we are healed. Not we're going to be healed. Maybe someday in the sweet by and by. It says we are healed. How many has ever fought with sickness and disease? I'm fighting some things in my body. I declare to them every day, get out, get out. I'm healed, I'm whole, divine health flows through my body, hallelujah. I preach to it, I speak to it. I'm like Brother Dave, get off of my property. You have no authority here in Jesus' name. Get off of my property. But see, as I believe it, then I receive it. So I know what the Bible says, but it doesn't mean that I... Believe it, because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing. So seeing Jesus doesn't always come from just knowing what the Bible says. There are many that can quote the Bible, and they know the written word, but many of these people still do not receive what the written word declares. Have you ever been in a classroom setting and didn't understand what the teacher's teaching? I hope that's not tonight. <laughs> there are many that immediately will shift into fear when their ears or their understanding, with, in other words, they will shift into fear when they don't understand what their ears are hearing, and then they begin to shut down. I've had people tell me, I just can't take tests. Tests are hard for me. Then I've had other people say, I can ace tests all day long. But can I tell you something? Taking a test doesn't get you a job. Taking a test doesn't give you experience. All it means is that you read the book and you memorize the answers and now you can write the right thing down. It doesn't mean that you know it and you're knower. But when it comes to receiving a revelation from Holy Spirit of who Jesus is, that means that the light is clicked on 
and the darkness is expelled. Jesus is the word. You can read the Bible or even study what you read and still be like looking into the dark. It's when the revelation of Jesus comes that the light is clicked on and now it becomes a manifested part of you. I used to be one of those people who I would say, you know, you'd do something to me and I'd say, well, I forgive you because I have to. Well, you didn't forgive anything. <laughs> My kids, well, I'm sorry. I said, no, you're not. Not when you talk like that. Well, you know what I mean. No, I don't. Tell me what you mean. Well, you know I'm sorry. No, you're not sorry. Well, I forgive. No, you don't forgive because you're thinking about it right now. And if you forgive the way God forgives, you throw it into the sea of forgetfulness. How many want to be like Jesus? How, look at all those hands. Jesus, did you see that? <laughs> I can see Jesus smiling right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you forgive, when you do what the word says and you forgive, there's something that happens on the inside of you. Jesus is the word. You can read the Bible or, or even study, and what you can read can still be looking into the dark. It's when the revelation of Jesus comes that the light is clicked on, and now it becomes a manifested part of you. It's come to the point where I can forgive because it's not something I do. It's who I am. It went from thinking about it well, I forgive you because I have to. I love you because that's what the word says to do. No, I don't love you if I act like that. I truly love you when I, when I act just like Jesus would act toward you. Because he is love. Why don't you open your Bibles to Mark, the fourth chapter, and we'll just introduce this tonight. Mark, the fourth chapter. When we begin, we'll begin with verse 14. Now before we begin, I want to make a couple statements. It's very, very important. First of all, this parable that we're going to read, and we'll just we'll take a pass through it, make a few comments, and then we'll close for tonight. But this very parable, Jesus said, if you understand this parable you'll understand all parables. Because this parable is talking about Jesus, the Word, being sown into your heart. Everybody say, Jesus, the Word. Jesus, the Word. Verse 14, the sower sows the Word, 15. And these are the ones by the wayside where the Word is sown, and when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. 
verse 18. And now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Read this verse with me, verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? And we'll, we'll stop right there. What Jesus is saying is, you don't sow the word not expecting a harvest. You don't turn a light on not expecting light. And when the light fills the room, the light is there for a purpose. So when he says, these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, when they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And by the way, the word here throughout this whole parable is the same word. Now, how many know that Jesus doesn't need to change? So if Jesus is the word, how many know that Jesus is the word? Are we all clear on that? Can we take, can, I mean, even if you don't vote that, it, that he is, we're going to win anyway. But I'm just going to ask you, can we vote that Jesus is the word? So if Jesus is the word and Jesus was sown on stony ground, who needs to change if there's no fruit? Jesus or the ground? Who is the ground? We are. Say my heart. So see, he said, take heed how you hear. Take heed how you hear. <laughs> My dad would always say, you know, I grew up in churches where they amanned you so much you couldn't hardly preach. My dad would always say, how can you so wheat where the wind's blowing. <laughs> Sometimes I've been in, and I'll just confess, I, 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 won't, I won't tell on any of you. I'll just, I'll just confess my sins tonight. How's that? I'll be sitting there and the preacher will be preaching. He'll say something really good or she'll say something really good because I believe in woman preachers too. Glory be to Jesus. There's some powerful ones out there. A couple of them are sitting in here tonight. And we heard some good word, heard some good word this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I've been sitting there and the preacher will be preaching or the teacher will be teaching and they'll say something really good and I'll take my spiritual shovel and I'll go 
that's for so-and-so back in the third row. <laughs> One time my dad was teaching, he said, it's time to break your shovel handles. Put your shovels away. <laughs> See, one thing I found out about the Word of God is that even if it's light to me, I never get tired of it. I never get tired of what Jesus, the Word, declares over me. I never get tired of it. I've asked God, one prayer that I've prayed almost all my entire life is, God, never let me get tired of your Word. God, never let me, the people that come up, I cry every time people come up to get born again. I cry every time I see a miracle or I see, I, I see a healing or I see people get born again outside the building. You know why? Because it's brand new to me. And all of a sudden, I knew that someone just escaped hell fire and brimstone and I know that they get to spend eternity with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever and ever ever is a long time isn't it so what we're going to explore in the upcoming probably couple weeks is we're going to explore types of ground we're going to explore how we hear but another thing we're going to explore is who's the one that brings the harvest? Who's the one that brings the harvest? Who's the one that brings the revelation of who Jesus is? I can give you a little shortcut. His name is Holy Spirit. He is the only teacher in the earth and he baptized me a long time ago. And every time I get alone with him or I listen to him or I sit in his presence or I hear him and trust him and obey him, he's always, always, always teaching me. He's always talking. He's always counseling me. He's always guiding and leading me into more truth and more truth and more truth. Can you say amen? So just one thing I want to point out and then I'll close. Verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. I've been one of those people. Wow, that was a, that was a great word. If I receive that, hallelujah. Then I walk out of here and I don't do anything with it. They receive it with gladness. They have no root in them. Or maybe I do something with it because it says they endure only for a time and afterwards. And in the King James it says affliction and persecution come. It arises for the word's sake and immediately. Everybody say immediately. They stumble. Now I'm going to make the statement and then, then, we'll, then we'll close. It's very, very important that you understand the method of operation, the way that the flesh works and the devil works. Because if you don't, then you're, you're, you're going to be deceived 
and you're going to blame everyone else. First of all, I can tell you this. No one opposes you more than you. Devil's defeated. And when you stand before Jesus, you know, I, I can't stand before Jesus and say, yeah, but God, Sally, really, she, man, she put it on me. You know, she really, she, she stopped me. He's going to look at me, and here's what he's going to say. So you're telling me I, Almighty God, lived on the inside of you, and that little 80-pound woman stopped me. Because I gave you grace, son. I gave you grace to fulfill everything I called you to do. And you're telling me that another person had power over you to stop you? You are your greatest opposition. And if you can get your stinking thinking to think like Jesus, you're going to see him clearly. You're going to see him so clearly that when affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake, the first thing you're going to do is throw your hands up and begin to declare and decree, wow, thank you, Holy Spirit, that I have been picked out to be stopped. Because that means I'm doing something right. Can you say amen? amen. All right. We're in there tonight.